0: Well, sometimes live streaming, well, live streaming is a strange, strange mistress. And sometimes you got to cut bait. I'm trying this again, and my apologies to those who were listening earlier, but this remains Locked On MLB. MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the Daily Podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan, and I swear. You can call me Sully. Just look at my lower third. Where's my lower third? There it is. Hey, uh, sorry for those of you who were checking in on the live stream earlier. I had a little bit of a tech issue there. I think it's been fixed. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm Sully. I am the host of the show, and I've been a, I mean, I'm a television producer. I've been a writer, actor, comedian, filmmaker, and I've been a baseball podcaster for the last decade or so. And I have been on the Lockdown Podcast Network for the last of four seasons. And 2013, or 2013, 2023, sorry about that, will be my fifth full season. Wow, that's unbelievable that I've been here for already four full seasons. Um, you can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Make sure to make us your first listen and tell your smart device play podcast Lockdown MLB or check out some of the other great shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including Lockdown White Sox. As Nick Morowski is going to be my guest on tomorrow's show. And you can follow me. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. I'm still on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Um, a lot of people are asking me to join this Mastodon thing. I can't figure it out. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I, I miss my space basically. Hey, um, a couple of pieces of baseball news have come around, but first and foremost, I wanted to say, Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, I think, sometimes gets the short end of the stick in terms of the holidays. The holiday season really begins now. Uh, The holidays basically are from Thanksgiving through New Year's. I, I think so. And, you know, I think that One of the things I love about Thanksgiving is that it's a time. I I like the emotion behind it. I like the sentiment behind it. I'm not going to get into its origins and problematic stuff from the past. or anything. I'm just talking about what the holiday has evolved into in America, which is a time to be grateful for the people that you have in your life and the things you have in your life. Uh, I'm employed. I have a, a wonderful family. I still have my mother with me. I have a great brother. And my two boys. You know, we, we're uh, your mom and I are here. We're raising them in the beautiful Southern California, and it's uh, it's a wonderful thing. And I've also feel very thankful that I have a lot of people who I look at. It, I have no idea what my numbers are. I don't care. I don't care about the size of my audience. But I certainly have a loyal group of listeners. I see some people are in the the watching me live right now. And I've got to meet great friends through the lockdown podcast network. And it's been great. And I'm really, really thankful that we got a 162 game season and we're gonna have it for the next bunch of years. You know, we remember we had that lockout that really looked like we were gonna lose a giant chunk of the season and i wasn't thrilled with every aspect of the lockouts agreement but that being said i'm glad we have 162 games of baseball do i like the universal dh no i don't like the universal dh but i like 162 games i like a full season and it's a small price to pay now i what i i hope thanksgiving never becomes a time where we're watching the World Series or Major League Baseball. Look, you're not going to find a bigger baseball fan than me. Uh, I just see that the the this season is still at 162 games, and we, we've expanded the postseason again. You know, it was – we never had a November baseball game until September 11th pushed the schedule. Um, and Now we're going to have – we're almost guaranteed to have a November baseball game every year. I mean I look at I love baseball. I'll watch baseball at any time. I just think that for if you're building up the fan base having that baseball dribble into November you get way too many people saying baseball's still on. I just I just absolutely feel that I would rather see a shortened season and have baseball played in weather that resembles baseball then seeing it creep a little further, a little further into November, a little further into November. uh, It's just I I don't think that that's good for the long-term effect of the game. But I digress. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And you know what? I hope you're spending it with people whom you love. And that's not always family. I know some people who family they're not thankful for. And so they find a new family. Family isn't always blood. Family are the people who you think of as family and you treat as family. And so if it's your, you know, I am here, my wife and I with my two boys. I'm going to be seeing my mom in a few days. We'll be celebrating Christmas a little later. That's great. If that's not your situation, then I hope you're surrounded with people who accept and love you as you are. There you go. That's my Thanksgiving message for you. I'm all about positivity. Um, just some things going on right now. I'm in California, and guess what? So is Aaron Judge. And Aaron Judge is playing footsie with both the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants. I still think he's going to go back to the Yankees because the Yankees just can't afford to lose him. But the Giants could really jumpstart their fan base with the introduction of Aaron Judge. And apparently the Dodgers made a pretty lucrative offer to Aaron Judge, and he turned down the initial lucrative offer. I don't know, it'll be interesting. I, I still would be absolutely gobsmacked if Aaron Judge hits 62 home runs and then collects his MVP in another uniform. But I've been gobsmacked before. Another huge big free agent is Carlos Correa. Now it's funny, like Correa's Correa's not going to go back to Houston because Jeremy Payne is a new big star there. Uh, I had said in a previous podcast that I think he'd be an ideal fit in St. Louis. I think the Cardinals should make a play at him. I, the team I'm picking that he signs with is Baltimore because Baltimore made a giant leap forward, obviously, in 2022. And I think acquiring a big superstar like Correa would, again, excite the fan base and show like, okay, the days of rebuilding are over. We're going to go for it. The one team I did not take into account that would be making a big play for him are the Minnesota Twins, the team he played with last year. And he apparently really embraced the city and embraced the team. And I, I just I think everyone he opted out of the deal. I think everybody in their moose just assumed that that was his one year. It was kind of like uh, Ivan Rodriguez playing one year with the Florida Marlins. They won the World Series that year, but or Jack Morris playing the one year with Minnesota that won the World Series that year. And I just assumed that he would there. He was off and give Minnesota credit. Minnesota has made according. Um, According to uh, the North Talk uh, podcast and Lavelle E. Neal of the uh, Minneapolis Star Tribune, the Twins have, put, have uh, given several contract offers with varying length. And some of them are longer, you know, long-term deals. And some of them are shorter-term deals with bigger annual average salaries. Good for the Twins. Good for the Twins. At least sending a message to their fan base, going like, "Hey, hey, hey, we're we're not going to take this lying down." You now he may split to Baltimore. He may split to other places, but you know what? It's uh, it, we're not going to just let him walk. By the way, another piece of news for came out is that uh, Bryce Harper is going to have to have Tommy John surgery. But because he's a hitter and not a pitcher, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to miss a giant chunk of next year. He's probably going to miss the first month or so. And he's probably not going to be able to play the outfield at all. But he's going to come back and be a... You know, if he's the designated hitter, I guess the Phillies are happy for the universal DH that I was a big fan of, then he could probably come back and... Be a super productive player. Now, the thing that I'm going to be talking about in our second segment is the fact that while Bryce Harper has is going to lose a little bit of time in next year's season um, because of the time of John surgery, Dave Dombrowski is sticking around. Dave Dombrowski has a contract extension through the 2027 season. And there's one thing that Dave Dombrowski can do is go out and find players. In fact, it is an absolute slam dunk that the, in terms of a bet that you know the Phillies are going to make a splash in this offseason. They won the pennant last year out of the blue. And so now they're going to have to make the next big step to make them the biggest surefire bet to repeat as National league champions. If you're going to make any bets, go to betonline.net. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. You've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, I know I do, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, it's where the game starts. So, Dave Dombrowski is going to stick around. Seven, uh, 2027. And this is what Dombrowski does Dombrowski goes to a team and says, Okay, what are we good? What can we do to win now? And he will deal top prospects. He will sign players to long term deals. He will be aggressive in the free agent market because his job as the general manager is to take the money from the owner and shell out the dough to bring in the best players possible. Now, that always kind of people have, have not celebrated Dombrowski and Brad Pitt hasn't played him in a movie and people don't worship at the altar of Dombrowski, you'll hear a lot more sort of reverent tones for what the A's have done and the Rays have done over the years instead of what Dave Dombrowski has done, except the fact that Dombrowski's teams win pennants like crazy. And in fact, the, he is under his stewardship. You have the 97 Marlins in winning the World Series, The 06 and 12 Tigers in the World Series, the 2018 Red Sox winning the World Series. He's brought five pennant winners and in three different, five pennant winners with four different organizations. And yeah, his solution is we'll trade top prospect, we'll get him because he understands that the prospect, while potentially very interesting, is not a guarantee. Nick Murawski is on our show for tomorrow. uh, uh, Spoiler alert, we've already recorded it. And we talked a little bit about the Chris Sale trade, a move made by Dombrowski, which was taking some of the Red Sox top minor leaguers, including Yohan Mancata, who's, I I believe, their top prospect, was one of the top prospects in baseball, and flipped them for Chris Sale. Now, Chris Sale has had a ton of injuries since 2018 and has not been very effective since 2018. But he had a Cy Young caliber season his first year with the Red Sox and helped pitch them into the playoffs in his first division titles in the first two years and was the pitcher on the mound when they clinched the World Series in 2018. So all the injuries and sort of question marks around him, fine, great, whatever, his job was to deliver a title to Boston. Guess what he did? And people who were wringing their hands, oh, it cost me on Mankata. Your know, Mankata hasn't broken out to become a superstar. It doesn't happen as often as you think as the big, huge prospects included in these trades turn into the Ryan Sandbergs or the Jeff Bagwells or the Josh Donaldsons of the world as players who are thrown in in these deals who blossom into great, huge players. Most of the time, they're, you know, Matt Laporta not contributing anything at all, or in a best-case scenario, Yohan Mankata, who is fine. He's fine. He's okay. He's had some good years, some not-so-good years. He's a fine Major League player who can start in the infield. He's not been a superstar. He's not been the all-star that the White Sox thought he was going to get. And it was certainly worth dealing a good infielder to get in an ace for the Red Sox. Dombrowski understands that. And Dombrowski understands that, you know what? The time to win is now. Yeah, the Marlins shoveled a lot of money to Dombrowski to go and sign big free agents back in 97, and the Illich family opened their pocketbooks to have them bring in the Yvonne Rodriguez's of the world and eventually the Miguel Cabrera's of the Prince Fielders of the world. Fine. Great. But do you know what? A lot of times you see teams go on spending sprees and it blows up in their face. Remember what the Padres did in 2014 when they brought in the Upton brothers and uh, Shields and Kimbrell? It cost them some tremendously talented players along the way. And in the end, it blew up in their face. They spent the money, but they spent them on the wrong people. There have been plenty of times where the Mets have spent on the wrong people. Or the Angels spending all that money on C.J. Wilson and Josh Hamilton, who just didn't fit well with the team. Just because you spend money doesn't mean you're going to do it right. And Dave Dombrowski does it right. He said, here, take the credit card, go on a spending spree. That's a pretty decent talent right there. And there's so much water carrying by fans to have more admiration for the teams that do it on a shoestring as opposed to signing the big players. I think that's a little propaganda in the owner's favor to have that be like, oh, well, we're going to follow the the Rays you know, method of low budget and keeping a high turnover of the players, or the A's doing the same thing, which makes teams a little more anonymous, which means you don't sign the big stars. You try to get, you try to Voltron players together, like, oh, if we platoon this or we bring this player in to do that, then we don't need a big star. I think the long-term effect is you've seen when, how it's wreaked havoc on how we look at a pitching staff as you don't have pitchers, ace pitchers going seven, eight, or nine innings. And everyone just assumed that you know a six-inning go of it is going to be a huge quality start that you don't expect more from. Hell, you could be throwing a no-hitter in the World Series and get lifted in the six, and no one's going to raise an eyebrow because that's how the game evolved. It isn't just because of pitch counts, it's because of money. Ace pitchers are expensive, so let's not have the pitchers become ace pitchers. But that being said, when you have people praising the the low-budget approach, there's a real cold reality that fans who do that are basically making it easier for the owners to not spend money. And anytime you have a stigma to, oh, well, that was a bought championship. Well, they bought that. You hear that about the Steinbrenner Yankees. They bought that championship. Well, the 97 Marlins. Oh, that was just a bought title. Well, the Red Sox gobbled up on big free agents. Yeah, they bought that title. Let's move on, folks, and remove the stigma around buying championships. say it with me folks buying championships is a good thing spending the money for superstar players is a positive thing it's not a bad thing it's not bad for baseball the steinbrenners didn't ruin baseball they may have saved it by the way they embraced free agency and turned the free agent horse race into something a lot of fun There is no problem with an owner saying, hey, I've got billions of dollars. I want to spend it because I want to buy me a title. Good. That's the owner's job. That's the owner's position. The owner shouldn't be getting involved in uh, matters of the the manager or the players or whatever you see owners meddling in that. It always blows up in their face. Almost always. I'm sure you'll find an instance or two where it doesn't. But most of the time, the one that works out with the owners, like Crane right now with the Astros, it's like, hey, I've got a lot of money. I want to win a title. I want to win a championship. Because if you're a super rich person, which you have to be to own a Major League Baseball team, you're doing it for the fun, right? You're not doing it because it's a great investment. No financial planner is going to say, hey, I do what I think you should do with this money? Uh, I don't think you should diversify your portfolio or get into real estate. No, no. I think you should buy the Brewers. That's what you should do. No, they they buy the teams because they want to have, they want to be Bob Kraft. They want to be the person who delivers a title to to a fan base and be the one who holds up the title and say things like, You're the greatest fans in the world, and we love you. That's what an owner wants to be, to be praised like that, right? Why else would they do it? There wasn't a gigantic ego. saying, like, I'm delivering this title to this team, to this fan base. You're welcome. That's why they spent all that money to buy the damn team. So because it's a fun thing and a thing of entertainment, Shouldn't the owner's job be to pile in all their money? And why would there be any stigma to that? Why? There's a huge stigma to the 1997 Florida Marlins, a classic bought championship that Dave Dabrowski put together. It was their fifth year. The owner, Wayne Huizenga, was trying to put together, trying to make the Marlins competitive because he was trying to sell the team. And they open up the pocketbook and in came Moises Alou, in came Kevin Brown, in came Bobby Bonilla, in came Devon White, in came, I said Alou already, uh, I said Jim Eisenreich. uh, All these wonderful players who they signed, Darren Dalton, for the purpose of winning a championship right then, right there. Gary Sheffield was on the team too, he was acquired earlier. And you know what? Guess what? Oh, Alex Fernandez was another one who they acquired for the White Sox. All these players, they just gobbled up. And yes, it was a disgrace that they basically chopped the team up and sent it off to parts, and there was no attempt. The The 1998 Marlins are the single worst defending World Series champion in the history of baseball. Oh, they also spent the money to bring in Jim Leland as well. But it was a bought title. Ask the good people of Cleveland or of Pittsburgh or of Seattle for that matter if they wouldn't mind having a bought championship, even if it means breaking the team up. That's part of the job, folks. And look it. Part of the propaganda for people who carry the water for the owners is the notion of the haves and have not. Well, You know, it's just going to be an example of the rich teams buying all the players, and the small market clubs just not going to be able to hold their own. That's pure propaganda, absolute propaganda. Because, first of all, there are no haves and have-nots in baseball. Every single team is owned by a person who has piles and piles and did i mention piles money there's no poor owner none they're all wealthy they all can afford to put a quality team on the field so that doesn't work also the notion of well it'll just mean that the big market teams will be winning the world series every year i've made this point before Since the beginning of the 2010 season, so the entire 2010s and these first few years of the 2020s, half of the teams in Major League Baseball have made it to the World Series. 15 out of 30, and that does not include the Yankees because the Yankees haven't. You know, there have been, you know, the Angels are a big market, big revenue team with superstars. They haven't made it in that same time either. You know, the Cubs have made one. The Mets have made one. You know, there's a smattering of teams who managed to get in despite all the uh, pressures against them. And you take a look. I've made this point before. San Diego is the definition of a small market team, and their owners have said to hell with all this. This is a this is a, a fan base which to the north you have the Dodgers and the Angels, both two very popular teams. To the east you have a desert. To the south you have Mexico. By the way, Mexico seems to be more interested in the Dodgers than the Padres. Oh, and and to the west you have the ocean. This is, this is this as small a market as you could have. And yet somehow they manage to bring in superstars. They manage to bring in uh Uh, Manny Machado and Juan Soto, and now they're kicking the tires on Jose Abreu. Oh, how could a small market like Chicago possibly compete with San Diego? Philadelphia opened up their pocketbooks. Look what happened. An irrelevant franchise is now talking about can they repeat as nationally champions? Buying titles works, and there should not be a stigma to it. But there's another aspect to it that I want to bring up. Now, I'm using Yahoo Finance as my uh, as my guide to this. The wealthiest owner in baseball, according to Yahoo Finance, is Steve Cohen of the Mets. And since he bought the team in 2020, and hey, he's put his money where his mouth is. He doesn't have a title to show for it yet, but at least he's trying to buy a title for the Mets. Trust me, I know plenty of Mets fans, and they would be thrilled to have a bought title. The second wealthiest owner is Liberty Media and John Malone, uh, who owned the Atlanta Braves. Again, they spent some money. They put together a quality team. And part of buying a championship means keeping your players in the fold. And they've signed a lot of their players to long-term deals. They let Freddie Freeman go, but they brought in Matt Olson and signed him to a long-term deal. Okay. Now, guess who number three is? Is it the Dodgers? No. Is it the Red Sox? No. Oh, it must be the Yankees, right? It must be the New York Yankees. No. No. According to Yahoo Finance, the third wealthiest owners in baseball are Lawrence and Paul Dolan, worth $5.5 billion of the Cleveland Guardians. Cleveland has, according to this source, the third wealthiest owners in Major League Baseball, ahead of the Los Angeles Dodgers, ahead of the Cubs, ahead of the Red Sox, ahead of the Yankees. And the Cleveland Guardians had one of the five lowest payrolls in baseball with one of the three most wealthy owners and one of the five lowest payrolls in baseball. And think about the team that they feel that last year was one of the most rock bottom payrolls. One of the youngest teams got won the division title and came perilously close to being the Yankees. The series went five really tight games, really dramatic games between New York and Cleveland including a wild walk-off game in Game 3 and an extra inning win for the Cleveland in Game 2. This is the team with the single longest World Series drought in all of baseball. They have owners with piles of money, billions of dollars, and if they just raise the payroll from rock bottom to mediocre – They probably would have been able to improve their lineup, maybe score a few more runs, and who knows? Who knows what would happen, especially with their wonderful pitching staff? Ask Cleveland fans do you want a bought championship? Would you be fine with that? When you think about, like, the the 97, I mentioned the 97 Marlins, the 2001 Diamondbacks, an expansion team just a few years prior, brings in the Kurt Schillings and the Randy Johnson's and the Matt Williamses and a bunch of other players sprinkled around through the team. Yeah, that was a bought championship. I think Cleveland fans would be fine with that. There have been several bought championships over the last bunch of years, and do you know what? The players still get their rings. The fans still get their parade, and let's not carry the water. Remove the stigma. The Dave Dombrowskis of the world show you the real roadmap, which is: Hey, you owner, you've got billions of dollars. How's about spending some on your players? I mentioned Cleveland has one of the wealthiest owners. Do you know who also is ahead of uh, the uh, ahead of the uh, um, some of the other teams out there? What other owner is sitting upon billions? and billions that I mentioned, billions of dollars. Fisher family who own the A's. Believe me, you can't buy anything in the Bay Area without piles of money. They have billions of dollars. Billions. They could afford to build a stadium for the A's. They could. So, look at Dave Dombrowski is going to be sticking around Philadelphia, and he's going to look to bring them only their third title in the history of their franchise. I think Philadelphia fans would be thrilled with a bought title, and so would you. Because it's funny that sometimes you see owners stigmatized for being too cheap, and then you see owners stigmatized for just buying titles. I guess everyone just wants the porridge that Goldilocks had. But do you know what? Remove that stigma. Buy those titles. Do you know why? That's your job, owners. That's your job. And if you forgot, you didn't get in this because it was a great investment. You got in to have fun. So go have fun. Go on your shopping spree and pick up your players and be like Dave Dombrowski. There is no stigma in a bought title. It's still a title. And this is still a podcast, so thanks so much for being locked on MLB your first listen today for your second listen check out locked on sports today from the games that matter the most the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only locked on can provide locked on sports today is available on this app youtube and wherever you get your podcasts wishing you a happy thanksgiving and hoping your team buys a title this has been locked on mlb for the 24th day of november 2022 I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.